I love those moments when you wake up at 5am all guns blazing and realise it's Sunday. So back to sleep again. I love those moments when drop toast lands butter side up. Or when you slip and fall from a four foot wall landing soul side down. Hairy side up. Neo ninja moves disguised that it's luck and then you moonwalk off like you don't give a monkeys. I love those moments when you reminisce about those days at school. Seemed like everybody wanted to rule the world and you shout, you shout. You let it all out. It's that Donnie Darko has flooded the halls. You've got to admit it, that kid's got balls. Oh, I should explain. School was a cruel world. So just to keep things groovy, I filter all those memories through a 90s indie movie. I love those moments when that brown envelope from the HMRC ominously addressed to me turns out to be a rebate. Yes, mate. Makes me feel like I've matched six numbers. Technically, though, that makes me the numbnuts because I'm pretty sure that was my money in the first place. I love those moments when that same envelope can be screwed up into a ball, thrown over your shoulder and across the room, land straight into a flip-top bin, ba-boom. Or when you run through the airport on those automatic floors and your wizard moves open automatic doors and just for a moment you feel superhuman. Or when regardless of all these things we remember, we are all just superhumans. I love those moments when she smiles back. Or when a classic tune makes tears drop and shivers run like rivers on skin. Or a new tune that you have never heard takes you to places you have never been. So you throw shapes like lava lamps and the flower strobes are spinning. And you catch that grumpy bouncer's eye and even he is grinning. I love those moments where you can lose yourself and just exist. Or when you catch yourself in the midst of a kiss and the neck that you were nuzzling is as warm as that love you're feeling. And that person's love is just enough to send your senses reeling. I love those moments that say more about your perception than reality. That bring a flood of warmth to the coldest of hearts. That for one single moment make you greater than the sum of your parts. Hello and welcome to Poetry Non-Stop. I'm Patrick Widdis and that was Moments by today's guest Alexander Rhodes. Alexander has established himself at the heart of the UK poetry scene in the last five or six years, especially with his award-winning verse play One Foot in the Rave, which tells the story of how he was thrown out of the Jehovah's Witnesses and became a rave DJ. We had a terrific conversation full of great poems and anecdotes. Alexander has been influenced by everything from religion to rave music. But how did he get into poetry? Um, well, it was kind of um, an accident, really. I'd been involved with another completely different scene for over a decade. And uh, for one reason or another, had moved away from that kind of lifestyle and, and those friendship groups. And, and in all honesty, um, I had spent uh, probably a good 18 months, nearly two years, fairly isolated. And so I kind of felt the need to get out and about. And I spotted uh, an Apples and Snakes night called Forked, 
um, which I think unfortunately literally just finished. Um, they've stopped doing that one now. But uh, at that point, it was running at the Barbican Theatre in Plymouth. Uh, and so I went along, not really knowing what to expect, maybe thinking it might not be for me. But I, I always used to write poetry at school. And, um, you know, I was, and it was run, actually, it was run by uh, Katie Tokus, who used to run the club column in the Evening Herald, which is my local paper. So I knew her from sort of my days as a DJ. So, yeah, I went along. I dragged a friend along with me who uh, I didn't tell him it was a poetry night either. He, he was kind of quite um, uh, put up quite a fight when he realized, but I was just like, come on, let's give us a go, you know? And actually it turned out that it was Buddy Wakefield who was headlining that night, obviously five times world slam champion. And there was another guy on called Irfan Deliri, um, a Persian poet who's just incredible. And in fact, my friend who'd kind of sort of resisted like by the third stanza of her fans first poem was in tears you know um so it was a real eye-opener to both of us and so yeah i mean that's that's how i kind of went along and from then i just kind of sought out more nights really so how long ago was that uh that would have been the latter end of 2014 maybe early in 2015 somewhere around about there and and of how how i started to write poetry actually was from also from that night i'm quite an an impetuous person patrick if i decide i'm doing something i'll go at it 150 percent. i was so inspired by the night i mean as you would be with buddy wakefield and so on that i wrote a poem that i sent to katie who was the host of the night and little did i know that she was had a very sort of similar upbringing to me um, in terms of connection to grandparents, which is what my poet was about. And she liked it so much. She said, oh, I didn't know you were a poet. I'll put you on next month. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, you just want me to perform that? She went, no, 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 no. I'll give you, I'll give you 15 minutes. And I was like, okay. So I'm just like, realize, oh, I'm going to have to write loads more poetry. I kind of didn't want to say, oh, I, I've not written loads of poetry. So kind of, yeah, I just fell into it. I did that and that set went down really well. And uh, yeah, I, d- I didn't stop, basically. <laughs> yeah, you, you seem to have a way of uh, falling into the middle of these scenes. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely true. Yeah, that is true. I first got to know you uh, through your show, One Foot in the Rave, which you were doing in Edinburgh last summer. Um, how did that yeah. come about? Well, it's kind of an, it's been a fairly organic process. Um, I mean, of course, like when I, when I first went and did that poetry set at, um, uh, at Kate's night, um, I didn't know that I was going to be doing all of this, but I, you know, I committed, I was driving up and down the A38 and the M5 and, and, you know, coming up to London and visiting open mic nights and, you know, uh, really trying to get involved. And I saw Rob G do his verse play which is kind of an alzheimer's whodunit uh called forget me not and if if listeners haven't seen it you really should seek it out it's totally brilliant and rob is a very funny guy he's a very powerful performer Mm. um and the whole thing is rooted in his experience as a mental health nurse and he plays kind of eight or nine characters very soon after that i saw maria ferguson um doing fat girls don't dance uh, and then I saw Luke Wright doing Johnny Bevan. And I thought, 
actually, this is kind of really got my interest. The idea of, you know, narrative um, as well as poetry. So I kind of always had an idea that I would do something along these, those lines once I'd started that process. And it was natural because I spent, you know, 15, 18 years as a rave DJ that that would most likely be, you know, the subject matter. Um, but of course, in the end, I, I, I went further than that and, and brought in the upbringing as a Jehovah's Witness as well. So uh, just quickly, uh, what is the show about? Well, the flyer short copy is a 23-year-old disillusioned Jehovah's Witness is kicked out of the controlling cult. He lands straight on the ecstasy fueled dance floors of 90s club land, shunned by his parents and everyone he knows. He is not prepared for what lies ahead. So that kind of encapsulates the story, I guess. And it's about, you know, my life. It's totally autobiographical. Um, I was uh, kicked out of the Jehovah's Witnesses at 23. I was married at that point and um, I found myself in this strange and frightening world, you know, because it's a very kind of insular cult. Mm. You know, you don't have associations outside of it. And yeah, uh, very quickly found myself going to nightclubs in Plymouth um, and within <laughs> in true uh, Alexander Rhodes or Sean style, depending which name you want to use, I found myself DJing. I suppose it must have been within three or four months of that. So <laughs> yeah, doing the lights and then playing warm up records. And then before you know it, taking on my own nights, you know. Yeah, uh, it's uh, an amazing story. Was it something you would uh, thought about? writing about or sharing before you uh, discovered these spoken word shows? Uh, absolutely not. No, I kind of was very, yeah, I was quite, I don't know. Ashamed is a strong word, but there was a lot of shame involved with the process of being kicked out of the Jehovah's Witnesses. You, you know, you're, my parents weren't allowed to talk to me and other family members shunned me and everyone that I knew shunned me. So there's a great deal of shame sort of attached, which is, which is a very debilitating emotion. So I, I, it wasn't the kind of thing that I kind of immediately thought, oh, I talk about this, you know. I mean, what actually happened is... I was writing, originally One Foot in the Rave was just going to be like a collection of eight or nine poems. And then I did a warm-up set for Attila, the stockbroker, uh, and he was stopping over at mine. And um, we had a few beers and we got talking and I told him my story. And it was kind of the first time that I'd properly opened up to somebody about this. And by four o'clock in the morning, you know, he was sort of open mouth, like, wow, this is, you know, so this is your Edinburgh show, right? And I was like, wow, of course it is. Of course it is. Why didn't I think of that? And then, you know, other encouragement from other people to sort of explore that route. That's how that ended up shaping that way. Yeah. And uh, what was it like bringing it to audiences for the first time? Oh, well, it's utterly terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, I wrote... Um, I went to Spain for three months, spent the first two months distracting myself with Netflix and anything else I could lay my hands on, and then realized that, um, that I'd applied for the Plymouth Fringe uh, to perform and sort of kind of lied and said that the show was finished. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I, I had some communication from uh, Luke, who was running the um, Fringe, and said, oh, mate, you, you know, your, your show's sold out. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, oh my goodness, that's going to be like, you know, 40 people. And he went, no, 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 a hundred and something, 110. And I was like, oh, wow. He's like, oh no, you're in the theater upstairs, not the downstairs room. So then of course, panic. I was like, oh crikey, I need to, and, and that's what I needed, you know, adrenaline and focus. So I, I wrote the first draft. Um, I sent it to Tina Sederholm, uh, who's my script editor. And she came back with very honest feedback on, you know, this bit works, this bit doesn't. Have you thought of this? So I smashed out another draft in the space of maybe a three days and got a very positive response from her. If anybody wants script editing, go to Tina Sederholm. She's amazing. She's honest. She's insightful. Um, and she, you know, she's largely responsible for the, the, the fact that the script is in the shape it is. And, but so the first night, uh, you know, with that amount of people having never performed an hour to, to that many people, you know, was very daunting. And I'd, I'd spent about two months back in Plymouth rehearsing in my basement <laughs> to the walls of my house, you know, but there's nothing that can really prepare you for walking out on stage to a hundred odd people. Uh, what was the, the reaction? Well, um, thankfully, A, the hard work uh, paid off, but, you know, also the story seemed to resonate with people. I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing to experience, you know, the feedback and the warmth and, and so on from everybody in the room. Yeah, I, I wasn't prepared for the reaction. It was very, very positive indeed, which, of course, was, was encouraging and, and, and drove me to sort of push further on like, I need to I want to do this again you kind of get the bug then don't you yeah yeah uh, and oh and of course I actually picked up um a toast of fringe award for that performance as well which was again you know I that's far more than I could have ever have hoped really for for the first show yeah fantastic start and uh, so you've been doing the show for a while now. How has it developed? Yeah, I've done 47 shows now, somewhere in that order. And that's including Edinburgh, of course. So there's 23 mm -hmm. shows in Edinburgh last year. Uh, but, you know, sort of certainly over 15 that have played in theatres and, and uh, poetry events ticketed. So it's developed into a, a very concise and... Um, I, I mean, from in terms of my performance, I kind of I know what I'm doing with it now, and uh, yeah, I, it's still got legs in it, so I'm not you know ready to put it on the shelf yet. I think I, I initially I'd kind of thought, oh, you know, I just do a few shows and then I'll write another show, but it, you know, of course, you learn as you go that while well, there's a momentum to keep going, and and of course, um, I was mid tour when our current situation developed. So I've kind of written off 2020 now, but it has given me time to kind of like focus and I built a new website for the show and I'm definitely still very um, passionate about performing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, you are working on a new show, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I pitched to the in crowd for their fantastic rural touring program that they run and um, some of my kind of favorite performers and writers have, have done this 
in crowd circuit and I thought I'd give it a go and I'm, and I was accepted in January February time when I went to London I'm not quite sure how when my tour will start with Wonderland which is my new show but it was scheduled to sort of start maybe from February March next year no reason to believe that will be any different at the moment because mine was quite a late starter but of course you know that remains to be seen but yeah I'm developing that show now so uh what's it about wonderland is essentially a story about loneliness i've already alluded to the fact that there was a period 18 months two years before i started going to poetry nights i was in a very isolated state certainly coming out of an organization uh, like the jehovah's witnesses where you're in a very restricted association you know, loneliness is something I have felt at various times through my life. I think a lot of people are experiencing it now and, you know, uh, or have been certainly, particularly those of us that have been locked down on our own. And it struck me that it's a, a subject that doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, something happened to me when I was a sales rep many years ago in another life. And uh, I walked into a nursing home and I was selling them water coolers or something inane um, but I got talking to this old guy uh, in the reception he's such a sweet old guy and turned out that he was the guy that had designed a logo for a very famous brand like an iconic brand and it kind of struck me that there was somebody who, who designed something that was so synonymous with you know my kind of youth and growing up in the 70s and 80s that brand has, is international and yet here he was kind of on his own in a nursing home mm. i thought well how, how much knowledge and resource and and passion and you know wisdom is there locked away in nursing homes and as i got up to go he he kind of grabbed my arm and said please like when you go can you take me with you they won't let me see anyone and you know it really kind of broke my heart really so, you know, loneliness is something that affects all of us at different points. And it, the show is sort of near dystopian future in some senses. And I have, mm-hmm. you know, I may have to re- revisit aspects of the show because I started developing it and had the idea for it long before this current situation. And some of, you know, I'm not quite sure how, how it's going to affect and inform the writing because Wonderland wasn't a reaction to this COVID-19 thing it was it was an idea that existed before but now we're now in this reality there may be elements of the show that need to be looked at Uh, so yeah that's all happening at the moment but it follows the the story of three separate characters who are not connected and not aware of each other but are each experiencing loneliness in their own way and in the final scene their lives intertwine in, in a kind of irrevocable way so yeah that's as much as I have at the moment I mean I do have um one of the poems from the show I mean if if you wanted me to share that with you I do have that yeah sure um so one of my characters is uh involved in the financial world in the city and and although he's in the hustle and bustle of, of of this life he's actually feeling very isolated and both at work and at home and this is a narrative that's based on an experience he has. It's 22.22. And the tick-tock 
tick-tock, tick-tocking of these interlocking realities collides. Neon fountains in hopeful squares spray fake stars across a nighttime sky and the clock strikes now. The splash of slapdash animes slips across arctic glass. Thoughts are sucked into shape and then spat through layers of past this superheated limestone tempered spirit. Oh, if only these moments could last. But my forehead crackles. It's the needle in the groove. I feel bound. I feel shackled. But if I cover, I lose. This is a place of concentric circles. LED tuk-tuk stash, the individual conformity, the hustling, the bustling, the endless piles of cash, the nose-to-nose ambitions, pools of bright light red, and they tear along white lines of attrition. It's that confident shot to the head. I can feel their fear programmed in. The Farguard desire, the fatted calf, the champagne cum stains on crystal flutes, and that kachink of broken glass. Consume. Consume. Don't leave any room. There's no time for seconds. There's no second chance. Just take what you can before that clock strikes. There's no second hand. This is a material dance. Symbols. Signs. Portents. Tales through mint-fresh night. They grope. Taxes advertise unfair offers on plasma screens of hope and their vacuous faces, they stare at the prize, they smile with their lips, but not with their eyes, they feel with their gropes, but not with their hearts, they slide down snakes and back to the start. This is a place of tessellating squares interlocked with tin pan alleys. And there's orange-stained Ollie. He's flexing his muscles and his wife her Silicon Valleys. Now you can lay bets in binary or cash. Tires. Shoe leather, tarmac or track, and every turn is a roll of a dice. It's two steps forwards and then backwards thrice. The blues and twos, they scream so loud. The sirens call for time. Those sailing too close to the edge will perish. Shipwrecked in vintage red wine. The shop fronts, decked in temptation. It's a roll call for the brave. It's a curtain call for the foolish. But come on, not even Jesus saves. It's a barrage of fonts and designer trickery intent on snaring the prey. And Venus, she grows those camouflage grasps. But there's no flies on you today. It's a city of hope. It's a city of credit. It's a playground for the damned. The suits, they fuck call girls and clients without shame. Integrity runs through their fingers like sand. Those pinstripe demons with their rings of gold there to collect the daily toll and we all wear the smear of punch lips. The city is a ravaged doll. It streams a binary currency, it's drained, stained, cash green, torrents of filthy lucre just feeding the morbidly obscene that float the hopes of capitalist slaves before they drown them in their own dreams. Those knights in whining armor ride. They scuttle blindly in the day. The suburbs turn yellow, edges crinkle with shame, and the neons fade to gray thanks for that preview (laughs) 
You're welcome. Yeah, um, so you seem to have achieved a great deal in quite a short time. Are there any challenges or setbacks that you've had to overcome? Only my own self. (laughs) 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 I think really, you know, despite um, maybe coming across as confident and so on, I get in my own way. I suffer with anxiety um, and that can often come out in, with me, you know, tending to say the wrong thing or just being a little bit maybe too over-enthusiastic. I'm not always the easiest of people to get along with and I'm blissfully aware of that. And it's, you know, it's not obviously how I want to be. So, um, but, you know, we, we all deal with, social situations and pressure in a different way and you know I, I think that really that's probably been my biggest you know coming into a new scene where there's you know amazing performers and you know lots of established nights and uh, and you know starting something down in Plymouth with Pucker Poets and the show you know it's kind of been fantastic and I've enjoyed every minute of it but I, you know I'm, I'm not always uh, perhaps yeah, I, I, I know I am difficult to get along with sometimes, and I am aware of that. And it's something that that I feel is probably my biggest drawback. So it's more personal level stuff, really. Mm. I, I have to say that a lot of the experiences, you know, getting on stage and performing and so on, it's very easy to always point to negatives. And obviously, my show is all about this. Um, lifestyle of of um and being kicked out of the cult the jehovah's witnesses but but on the converse you know i was up giving bible talks and and writing talks and performing if you like on stage giving talks on stage from probably seven or eight years old so but i didn't find that such a transition certainly with the performance in the theaters that's a completely different ball game Plus, you know, I used to be a sales rep. And so that I, th- I think in that area, I found that bit easier. It's just it's, I'm the bit I find hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've uh, got a, a writing prompt for us. Yes. Um, this, I've never been asked for a, a writing prompt before. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was obviously very, uh, very glad to provide one and I, I didn't really know w- you know what makes a good writing prompt or not uh, so I just went with something that I find incredibly fascinating so yeah my writing prompt was transhumanism for dummies and I, I kind of like the way though that phrase kind of there's an inference from that phrase you know um, transhumanism AI super intelligent AI is something I am currently obsessed with and researching um partly for wonderland but also i have a novel project which i i'm kind of it's all planned out and uh, the story narrative is all planned out the chapter you know bullet points are all and and the ai plays a massive part in that novel so yeah i'm currently living in a world where transhumanism and ai is very much a central part of everything mm-hmm. i'm reading yeah, it's not uh, an area I know a lot about, um, so I was just uh, reading up on it a bit. Um, I think it'd be sort of uh, interesting with something like when you start to research it, you can um, 
find lots of different things. You don't quite know what's going to inspire you. I've written a few lines. Uh, it's uh, more of a sketch, I think, than a finished poem. I think uh, if I were to delve deeper into the subject, I could uh, write more and more interesting things. But um, this is my kind of initial, re initial response uh, in the last couple of days. It's called Future Human. One day all our teeth will be blue, with nothing to chew as sun rays filtered through silicon cells course through our veins. We will be stronger, reach higher, live so long we forget we are living. We will be mathematically equal, our memories infallible but unfanciful. Will we still see light refracted by water droplets as a rainbow? or marvel at the craftsmanship of a snowflake. When we look to the sky, we will see the stars as beacons placed by gods across the heavens to guide us. In the blueprint for the future human, where does the soul go? I really like that, mate. That's really cool. Yeah, really cool. I, it's interesting. You, I think I heard you correctly. That, um, you, you mentioned the color blue in there. Yeah, which is interesting because that was um, that's that. I, I wrote. I didn't know whether I was supposed to write anything or not, so I just wrote a few lines. But the, yeah, the color blue appears there in the first few lines as well. I wonder if it's. Um, I wonder if there's any significance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote, "We are Android." Memories are binary knots tied into favorite rags. We pluck ringing bells, spring blue in sound, obligatory beams of flickering sunshine. We project stolen collective memory. Romance ourselves with notions of importance, dance on the perimeters of belief, dig the aching tooth of experience. We sleep the sleep of machines, Transcending the banality of programming in dreams. We are truly alive in unconscious bliss. We die through wasted breath. Our horizons become the faces of robots, metal frame destinations. Our dreams are selected code. We dine on our own egos, fed back intravenously. We are closed. Loop. Error. A little bit darker than yours, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's um, yeah, there's lots of great lines in there, and uh, yeah, there's a surprising uh overlap with a lot of the same words appearing in those yeah. two poems, yeah, definitely. It's interesting, isn't it? How, um, yeah, and there, there was a lot of little resonances there, yeah, oh, I like that. Hopefully, it'll inspire you if you're listening to write something and share it uh, it's always good to uh hear what these uh prompts inspire um, yeah i yeah i mean as i say i'm fascinated with it and writing about it so if anybody does write anything please please send it to me i really would like to uh, to read yeah you said you uh weren't really sure what a good prompt was where do you find your inspiration what are your sort of processes for writing <clears throat> that's um yeah that's a really good question i mean when when you first start uh, oh, okay so i'm projecting out there when i first started 
my obvious thing was write about my own experiences. But then I, I think you sort of go through this evolution, or I've certainly gone through this evolution of kind of done a, this whole show of One Foot in the Rave and really been quite gone to some really personal places, quite uh, revealing places. So I started to enjoy looking outwards now and writing about more about what I see rather than what I am or what I feel. Um, and I think that this is possibly a, a transition that most writers go through. So I'm kind of in that looking out stage now rather than looking in. And I haven't written anything about this current situation. Um, and that's quite deliberate because there's a lot of artists and a lot of, you know, people with a lot more valid things to say than what I feel I've got to say at the moment. So I'm just keeping quiet about this and just trying to sort of let, wonderland ferment and the my novel kind of is in the near future i'll be starting on that you know in earnest so and at the moment my my inspiration is this it's it's ai it's transhumanism it's this uh the rationalists and their viewpoint the singularity group and their viewpoint and uh, and, and seeing how that might affect us in the future yeah sounds fascinating um uh, good luck with those projects. Oh, thank you. Have you got another poem to finish with? Yeah, I have. So I've got, I'm writing the manuscript of, of the One Foot in the Rave show because I want, want to release a book. And as part of that, I, don't, I didn't want to just put out the, the script to the show. I wanted to kind of give a little bit more. So we used to do this thing at, at Chill Out Parties called The Book of Sketch, which is basically a book for when everybody's sketching out at chill-out parties and people would just write all kinds of nonsense in it, whatever they were feeling. And actually, it was a really good um, exercise. Um, and yeah, I've, I've got one of the books of sketch still. And so what I've been doing is going through and picking out a lot of the stuff that I used to write in there and bringing it up to date because I want, I want some chapters that kind of share little short stories and just ideas. So what I've got for you is one of those, and it's called Ivory Masks. Frequencies oscillate. Sine waves of imagined realms. Piano notes dig sharp into ivory masks. And nothing sounds real until caked in fakery. So create a space and fill it with noise. If we push far enough, our hands will disturb them. We will paint a stretch batik into the fabric walls of other worlds. We are squonk, wearing paper crumpled eyes and seeking a city of gold. Swallowed pits, bubble acid deep, vodka based and powder lipped. Broken beats throw back time. We've all imagined love before. The final symbol splashes tears on Monday morning's scar-faced clowns. The crackle of the needle hits forces disco-lated hips, so swallow the wind, arms spread, Jesus wide. Spew out your angst in modal stutters and taste the spaces in between. We are narrative, the ebb and flow of totality. Infinite creators, fractal pilots, flicking loop-de-loop maneuvers. We peek behind veils, read scribbles 
in the margins. We are the dance of light, vibration manifesting, consciousness captured in cosmic jam jars, dancing divas in carbon cages, a blister response, the calloused edge of a universe feeling for itself. That was Alexander Rhodes. We first met last summer at the Edinburgh Fringe and it was great to catch up. Check out his shows if you can when he's back on the road. You can find his website and social media contacts on the blog at poetrynonstop.com. I'll also put details of the writing prompt on there. Transhumanism is an unusual topic but an interesting one, so don't be daunted. Do some reading, watch some films, try free writing, and when an idea for a poem begins to form, just go for it. Remember, I'm still accepting poems for an open mic edition, so get them in soon and you could be on the next podcast. Details, as always, are on the website. Until then, thank you for listening and keep writing. <laughs>